Letter fourteen of Young Americans Abroad, or Vacation in Europe, Travels in England, France, Holland, Belgium, Prussia, and Switzerland, edited by J. O. Chules, read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter fourteen, London, dear Charlie, ever since we reached London, I have wanted to go to Woolwich, the great naval arsenal and dockyard, because I expected I should obtain a pretty good idea of the power of the British navy. And then I like to compare such places with our own, and I have often, at Brooklyn Navy Yard, thought how much I should like to see Woolwich. Woolwich is on the Thames, and about ten miles from the city. You can go at any hour by steamer from London Bridge, or take the railway from the Surrey side of the bridge. We were furnished with a ticket of admission from our minister, but unfortunately we came on a day when the yard was closed by order. We were sadly disappointed, but the doorkeeper, a very respectable police officer, told us that our only recourse was to call on the commanding officer, who lived a mile off, and he kindly gave us a policeman as a guide. On our way we met the general on horseback, attended by some other officers. We accosted him and told our case. He seemed sorry, but said the yard was closed. As soon as we mentioned that we came from America, he at once gave orders for our admission, and was very polite. Indeed, on several occasions we have found that our being from the United States has proved quite a passport. We had a special government order to go over all the workshops and see the steam power, etc. I think I shall not soon forget the wonderful smithery where the Naismith hammers are at work, employed in forging chain cables and all sorts of ironwork for the men of war. We went in succession through the foundries for iron and brass, the steam boiler manufactory, and saw the planing machines and lathes, and, as to all the other shops and factories, I can only say that the yard looked like a city. We were much pleased with the ships now in progress. One was the screw steamer, the Agamemnon, to have eighty guns. There, too, is the Royal Albert, of one hundred and twenty guns, which they call the largest ship in the world. Of course we think this doubtful. It has been nine years in progress, and will not be finished for three more. It is to be launched when the Prince of Wales attains the rank of post-captain. We saw, among many other curiosities, the boat in which Sir John Ross was out twenty-seven days in the ice. We went into an immense building devoted to military stores, and in one room we saw the entire accoutrement for ten thousand cavalry, including bridles, saddles, and stirrups, holsters, etc. The yard is a very large affair, containing very many acres, it is the depository of the cannon belonging to the army and navy for all the region, and there were more than twenty thousand pieces lying upon the ground, and they were of all varieties known in war. After a delightful hour spent in listening to the best martial music I ever heard played, by the band, we took steamboat for Greenwich, and landing there walked to Blackheath, where we had an engagement to dine at Lee Grove with a London merchant. Here we had a fine opportunity to witness the luxury and elegance of English social life. This gentleman, now in the decline of life, has an exquisitely beautiful place, situated in a park of some sixty acres. The railroad has been run through his estate, and, of course, has made it very much more valuable for building, but as it injures the park for the embellishments of the mansion, it was a fair subject for damages, and the jury of reference gave its proprietor the petty verdict of eleven thousand pounds. At the table we had the finest dessert which the hothouse can furnish. Our host gave us a very interesting account of his travels in America more than forty years ago. A journey from New York to Niagara, as related by this traveller, 
was then far more of an undertaking than a journey from New Orleans to New York, and a voyage thence to England at the present time. In the evening we took the cars for London, and reached our comfortable hotel, the Golden Cross, Charing Cross, at eleven o'clock. By the way, we are all very much pleased with the house and its landlord. Mr. Gardner is a very gentlemanly man, of fine address and acquirements. He has been a most extensive traveller in almost every part of the world, and has a fine collection of paintings, and one of the prettiest cabinets of coins and medals I ever saw. He has a pretty cottage and hot-houses four or five miles from the city, and his family resides partly there and at the hotel. The hotel is everything that can be desired. A few evenings ago Mr. Lawrence had a splendid soiree. There were probably from two to three hundred present. Among the company were Sir David Brewster, Leslie the artist, Miss Coutts, the Duke of Wellington. The Duke, as he is called, is the great man of England. All the people idolize him, and he is known to be a great man. He has become more identified with the history of England for the last forty years than any other man. Of course, he was to us Americans the great man of the country. Whenever I have read of Napoleon, I have had Wellington in my eye, and to see him was next to seeing the Emperor. I never expected the pleasure, but here it is allotted me. He is quite an old man in his bearing and gait. He was dressed in a blue coat with metal buttons, wore his star and garter, and had on black tights and shoes. He had been to the opera, and then came to this party. Every one pays the most differential homage to the old hero. Waterloo and its eventful scenes came directly before me, and I felt almost impatient for our visit to the battlefield. A gentleman who knows the Duke told us that he spends from four to five hours every morning at the horse guards in the performance of his duties as commander-in-chief. Although he looks so feeble in the drawing-room, he sits finely on his horse, and when I saw him riding down Piccadilly he seemed to be full twenty years younger than he was the day before at the party. We shall always be glad that we came to England in time to see the Duke, and if we live twenty or thirty years it will be pleasant to say, I have seen the Duke of Wellington. Yours affectionately, George. End of letter 14. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.